Have you ever stopped to ask yourself, what is the ocean? The ocean is education. The ocean is science. The ocean is culture. The ocean is life. Join us on a blue adventure to redefine what the ocean means to people and the planet and to discover how UNESCO programs are helping deliver the ocean we need for the future we want. Welcome to this first episode of the UNESCO Ocean Podcast. I am Vinicius Lindoso, Communication Officer at UNESCO, the United Nations Agency for Education, Science and Culture. I will be your host on this podcast series, hopefully taking you on an inside tour of our global efforts to study, manage and revitalize the ocean. Now, what is the ocean? One of the most important elements of our planet, covering more than 70% of its surface and providing critical ecosystem services from climate regulation, food security, all the way to providing a home to a rich biodiversity. But time is ticking. The ocean is ever more acidic, ever less filled with life, ever more polluted, and ever less predictable. But the battle is far from lost. We still have time to heal and restore our planet's largest ecosystem. To make this conscious choice, the choice of putting the ocean first, we humans need to reconnect. Reconnect to the source of all life on the planet. Make peace with the Great Blue. UNESCO has taken up the challenge of reshaping humanity's connection with the ocean, ensuring a sustainable future for both humans and the planet alike. UNESCO's Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission, the IOC, works with over 150 countries and countless industry, philanthropic and civil society partners to promote international collaboration on ocean research and management and to develop innovative solutions for sustainable development based on the best ocean knowledge available. Through its marine world heritage sites, the Convention on Underwater Cultural Heritage, its biosphere reserves, and a world-leading program in ocean literacy, UNESCO also promotes education, biodiversity, and public outreach to inspire collective action toward a healthy ocean that can continue serving humanity and the planet for many generations to come. Few people know more about crafting a personal connection with the ocean than the Brazilian giant wave surfer and advocate Maya Gabeira. For her amazing efforts to live in harmony with the ocean, in and out of the waves, Maya was named UNESCO champion for the ocean and youth. We asked Maya about her relationship with the sea and the changes she is witnessing as she surfs the world's biggest waves. I worry, I worry um, more and more about how I see the changes just in my 15 or 17 years um, in the ocean, how less fish I see around, how less life I see around, how I see the corals changing color and becoming white and dead. And, um, you know, fishermen, uh, coming back from their work, I live here in a fishing village and um, I go out on my jet ski when all the fishermen are going out on their boats and they come back with um, sometimes not that much of a catch, you know, and, and I know that 
we are responsible for that. Our responsibility is to communicate and to let others know what is happening in the sea. Because if you think about it, most people don't have that intimacy that I have, that surfers have, that that fishermen have. You know, that is our world. That's what we do every day. And it's very, very, very important for us to explain to people that don't go to the sea every day that they need that place just as much as we do. You know, it's my job. Yes, it's my career. It's my life. It's my happiness. But just for us all as humanity to live and breathe and eat seafood, you know, we all need to care about the ocean. Acidification, deoxygenation, rising temperatures, rising sea levels, and with that, higher risk of hazards for island and coastal communities. Climate change is ocean change. And the change is already happening. Now, what will it take for humanity's creative, peaceful, enterprising spirit to prevail over our unsustainable ways of life? What will it take to create, together, the ocean we need for the future we want? Those are the most important questions we invite you to tackle with us through this UNESCO Ocean Podcast. As we now need to urgently reforge our relationship with nature and the living world, we also need to reinvent our relationship with the oceans. It is this revolution that we wish to bring about with the United Nations Decade of Ocean Science. You just heard the UNESCO Director General, Audrey Azoulay, at the kickoff event of the most ambitious current Global Ocean Initiative, the UN Decade of Ocean Science for Sustainable Development, or the UN Ocean Decade for short. Taking place from 2021 to 2030, the Ocean Decade was proclaimed by the United Nations General Assembly as a critical 10-year period to make a significant change in international cooperation, investments, and research for the sustainable management of the ocean and its resources. Coordinated by UNESCO, the Ocean Decade aims to improve our understanding of the ocean and its role in global sustainability challenges, from mitigating and adapting to climate change, all the way to fighting hunger and malnutrition. Across all of these challenges, science-based ocean innovation has much to offer in terms of solutions. Now here's everything I just said, again, only this time with the global gravitas of Antonio Guterres, UN Secretary General the ocean faces unprecedented threats due to human activity. By 2050, there may be more plastic than fish in the sea. And all the world's tropical coral reefs could be dead by the end of the century if we don't act now. Protecting and sustainably managing the ocean is essential for food, livelihoods, and mitigating climate disruption and related disasters. More than 80% of our ocean is unmapped and unexplored. Yet, ocean science accounts for a minuscule amount of funding. To restore the marine environment, we need knowledge, an ocean science revolution. Today, we launched the United Nations Decade of Ocean Science for Sustainable Development. Restoring the ocean's ability to nurture humanity and regulate the climate is a defining challenge. It will influence the outcome of our efforts to stem biodiversity loss, implement the Paris Agreement, and meet the promise of the Sustainable Development Goals. We must make peace with nature to deliver a prosperous and equitable world for all, leaving no one behind. 
Welcome to the ocean decade. Together, let's build a brave new ocean. Behind the UN Ocean Decade is UNESCO's Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission, the IOC. Established in 1960, the IOC of UNESCO promotes international cooperation in marine sciences to improve management of the ocean, its coasts, and all of its marine resources. The IOC enables its 150 member states, countries, to work together by coordinating programs in capacity development, ocean observations and services, ocean science, tsunami warning, and ocean literacy. All this work contributes to the mission of UNESCO to advance science and its applications to develop knowledge and capacity, economic and social progress, all of which are key to peace and sustainable development. Back in 2017, the IOC of UNESCO was asked by the UN General Assembly to lead the global efforts around preparing and implementing the Ocean Decade. To understand a little bit more about the Ocean Decade and what that means for UNESCO's work and its mission, we spoke with the Executive Secretary of the IOC of UNESCO, Vladimir Ryabinin. The IOC of UNESCO is actually acting as a parent and I would also say as a playing coach for the decade. First of all, the decade is uh, here because we conceived it. And now we have the responsibility to uh, put it in action. And this is really unrolling very fast. So the role of this playing coach is, uh, I would say, double. As a coach, we are supposed, supposed to coordinate uh, the work of this decade. And uh, I have to say that uh, from the idea and the dream of around 10 people, this uh, now has turned into uh, a movement in which unites tens of thousands of people and thousands of institutes and 60 countries. So this definitely is a huge undertaking and really of transformational nature. And this uh, undertaking requires very... Uh, intensive coordination in terms of science development, in terms of making the whole house built on the basis of various, sometimes incompatible bricks. And the role of IOC in, is, as a coach is to make sure that everyone works together uh, towards one goal. But at the same time, IOC, as I already said, is a playing coach. As a player, our role is also to contribute to the decade. And we contribute by running our programs and projects. Uh, the programs are almost uh, all contributing to mandated functions of IOC. We have a program on ocean observations, various programs on ocean research, tsunami, and I think that uh, these two processes of playing and coaching will come together in the vision of Decade of 2030, when we will be making everything uh, uh, consolidated, so, so that the ocean science contributes to management of ocean resources, ocean space, and, and what we are doing in the ocean, helping climate, biodiversity, economy. Um, and uh, this is basically um, the, the dream that is uh, taking us to the ocean we need for the future we want. The decade has now turned into the largest undertaking in ocean sciences ever. And I'm personally inspired by the decade 
because uh, uh, all my life I worked, I would say, as a technocratic scientist. Now I understand much more fully and completely that this was a wrong approach. Because not only we have to kind of uh, write equations and put equipment in the ocean, we have to really engage people in, in this process. On a more personal note, how has the ocean decade inspired you as a scientist, as an international you know, public uh, official, um, but also as a person, as a husband, as a father? You know, uh, I think this is the best thing that I did in my life. Because, uh, you know, indeed, in my life, there were several um, results, uh, like starting uh, weather prediction in the Soviet Union or building a gas pipeline or something else. But, you know, for the first time, I really believe that we are doing something that is going to serve uh, not only uh, kind of, you know, governments and, and uh, the rich class, this is going to serve all people, young people. And, you know, I'm really uh, impressed when I spe speak to uh, early career ocean professionals and in the decade we have uh, more than 4,000 early career ocean professionals working. And I think we are creating not only science, but also a public movement that is going to, to make the world a better place to live. So that is the most important uh, achievement that uh, I can imagine in, 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 the life, in the lifespan. The ocean decade is setting humanity on a virtuous path toward co-creating the ocean we want, the ocean we need. The challenges are enormous. Mitigating marine pollution, protecting and restoring ecosystems, feeding a growing population, addressing the impacts of the climate crisis. These are just a few. But one challenge cuts across all the challenges identified by the ocean decade. It's the make it or break it when it comes to ensuring long-term positive change. To reshape humanity's relationship with the ocean. Now to delve into what exactly that means to you and me, I talked to Francesca Santoro, our expert on ocean literacy and ocean education. Challenge 10 is actually probably one of the most important challenges identified by the ocean decade. Uh, it's a big challenge because it's about changing humanity's relationship with the ocean. Uh, it can mean a lot of things. It can mean how the ocean is part of, our, of your life and how we would like to make sure that everybody's more aware of how much the ocean is part of our everyday life, but also making sure that people uh, feel that they can, their everyday action can have an impact, a positive impact on the ocean. And it's, it's about ocean culture, is about uh, ocean conservation, is about ocean protection. So it's really about a number of things that still people don't fully realize. So ocean literacy is actually about that. It's about uh, not only knowing more about the ocean, that's the basic, of course. We all need to know more about the ocean, but it's much more than that. It's really about how we use that knowledge to uh, drive 
actions in whatever we do. I mean, we are a citizen, we are a teacher, we are a journalist, and we can use that knowledge to uh, drive our action in a different manner to have that positive impact on the ocean that I was mentioning before. Is em about empowering people with uh, tools Uh, to make sure that um, they also uh, take more responsible decisions about the ocean resources. And that also something very important for me as well is that they become ambassadors of our message so that they can communicate about the ocean in a meaningful way. It's really an exciting moment for ocean literacy because we are uh, doing a lot of projects all around the world and starting from kids, from really young kids. Uh, there is a project that the IOC is uh, implementing in Venice uh, where we work with uh, like kindergarten kids and we take them outside in nature to really understand how important is the ocean and how connected is our life to the ocean. Uh, and this is, you know, really starting from, you know, early stages of our life. And uh, it's, it's a concrete example because now these kids are more aware, for example, of how much uh, uh, the uh, Venice Lagoon, which is a, a transitional uh, environment between land and sea, is connected to the Adriatic Sea and then the Mediterranean and then uh, the global ocean. So this is what Every, every day we try to tell them that there is only one big ocean and our actions have an impact also on people that live so far away from us. So this is really changing humanity's relationship with the ocean because now these kids are more aware that they are connected to kids very far away from them. Francesca, in spite of all this work by UNESCO and our actors, Creating connections between humanity and the ocean and the planet remains a huge challenge to be reckoned with. What's our biggest difficulty there? The biggest one is that we still think in silos. Uh, people have a really hard time to understand the connections between, you know, one day, for example, I asked you, uh, a person from a big company, uh, would you like to work with us on ocean science? And then she said, I'm not interested in the ocean, I'm interested in climate change. And then I said, well, <laughs> you know, if you don't uh, know uh, the ocean or think about the central role of the ocean in the climate system, you cannot understand climate change. But people have really hard time in understanding those connections. And this is because of how our educational systems are built still. Another huge challenge in developing deep connections between humans and the ocean is simply that we live, by and large, most of our lives on land. And for many people, the ocean is far, far away. And yet life knows no boundaries. It doesn't care about political borders and even geographical limitations. The health of the ocean and of marine life has an enormous impact on what happens to us on land whether we are at the coast or on top of the mountain. We spoke with Antonio Abreu, director of UNESCO's Man and the Biosphere program, 
about this delicate ocean land nexus and why it is important to reconnect with our oceanic origins, regardless of where we live on land. When you uh, look at ocean, you are not just looking to the water or to the salt water, but you are also looking to the shape of the um, uh, physical conditions of the coastal areas. So the shape of the coastal areas, the landscape is um, constructed by the interaction between the ocean and the land. And this impacts not only natural systems, but the human systems that are by, um, by themselves also connected and dependent on this. So um, the, um, the best way to deal with this is to use what we called ecosystem approach. So understanding that everything that you do on land or in the sea will have a mutual connection and reflect. And this is something that the biosphere reserves under the MAP program are promoting. So they have a feature to support and preserve natural systems, whether you are considering a single species or um, a community of species or an ecosystem but also with the human uh, participation around that. So conservation and sustainable use of biodiversity is a pillar of socioeconomic development. And um, considering this, there are many activities that the biosphere reserves are promoting that provide opportunities to enhance and to boost um, conservation in the ocean and the coastal areas that in fact the end result will be very terrestrial and vice versa. If you protect a landscape like an hydrographic basin, you are ensuring that the nutrients are arriving to the sea to set up the trophic chain that will then provide fisheries or healthy ecosystems for leisure or for um, food security or for uh, any other activities that humans are um, looking and seeking for. One thing is clear, to build a healthier relationship with the ocean and the planet, we need a drastic change in culture. Whether protecting our underwater heritage or safeguarding 50 incredible ocean areas recognized as World Heritage Marine Sites, UNESCO strives to build a symbiotic approach to sustainable development based on mutual respect among cultures and species. Fanny Duvert, Senior Project Officer for the UNESCO World Heritage Marine Program, explained to us how culture is key to humanity's race to revitalize our ocean. At the end of the day, everything when it comes to the ocean uh, and to humanity and civilization, everything is connected. We are born and come from the ocean. In fact, everything on every, every single type of biodiversity, every single type of life uh, as we know it today, originates uh, at the end of the day uh, from the ocean. I mean, UNESCO is very well known, of course, for its World Heritage sites, especially the sites um, that are, um, you know, places that are on our bucket list to go visit, like the Taj Mahal in India or the Grand Canyon in, in the United States. What's very little known is that that exceptional collection of World Heritage sites also includes ocean places sites that are inscribed on the UNESCO World Heritage List for their ocean values, because they're exceptional biodiversity, they're very unique ecosystems, they're just 
things in the ocean, diversity in the ocean that we don't find anywhere else. And that includes also the spiritual connection that some peoples and communities around the world have to the ocean. So when we think about that as a civilization, us as humans, um, that ocean collection, there's 50 sites, 50 ocean places inscribed on the UNESCO World Heritage List, that collection of ocean sites, that's our legacy from the past. It's what we live with today, and it's what we ultimately will pass on to future generations. But the, the sadness of it is, is that it's within a matter of a few generations, we have seen a lot of that heritage uh, being destroyed, uh, and, and in fact, in, in on, on its way of perhaps even disappearing in some of the places around the world. So, so, the, so what we're doing today all together, um, and that is across governments, it's across, across NGOs, civil society as a whole, UNESCO has a critical role in that to actually bring everybody to the, together and to protect that legacy so that the future generations, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, actually will still be able to experience that ocean legacy in the same way we are doing today. The ocean is everywhere present in UNESCO's mission and actions. From culture to biodiversity, from climate to freshwater, UNESCO and its Intergovernmental Oceanographic Commission are mobilizing scientific knowledge to unlock and scale sustainable solutions for today's major challenges. Leading the United Nations Ocean Decade, UNESCO is putting its rich and diverse expertise toward advancing ocean science and technology, toward improving ocean governance, and fostering the partnerships that we need to put together to lead to a sustainable ocean. Thanks for listening and joining this episode of UNESCO Ocean. We hope you enjoy learning about how UNESCO plays a leading role in ocean science and sustainable management. In the next four episodes, we'll take you on a deep dive through some of our most exciting ocean programs and how they relate to biodiversity, climate change, tsunami early warnings, and ocean literacy and education. We hope you will stay with us on this blue journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast in whatever platform you use for listening and leave a rating and review to help us reach more people who are passionate about the ocean and want to join us on this journey. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of the UNESCO Ocean Podcast.